Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture reading is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 6 through 17. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith. But they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Today we continue our study of 2 Timothy chapter 3, which deals with the perilous times that precede the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are in these times today, dear friends. The whole world is in a satanic deception, and many people are falling away from the faith as predicted by the Apostle Paul in this chapter. In verses 1 through 5, Paul gives us the characteristics of lost people who refuse to love God and instead love themselves, love money, and love pleasure. They are selfish, ungodly, and haters of good. Then in verses 6 through 9, Paul says that some of these people will enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins. Verse 6 says that these false teachers creep from house to house. These people are sneaky and deceptive. They cannot tell the truth but deceive with lies. They are people of low moral condition, watching to take advantage of the misfortunes and troubles of others for their own advantage. To take captive means to get dominion over, to get someone thoroughly under their power and control. In this case, it is evil men in the last days who will prey on gullible women. 
Of course, this is what we see in the various cults which go from country to country seeking to capture new converts to their religion. These missionaries are very zealous in their attempts to proselytize new converts to their religious cult. People who feel isolated, unconnected to a social group and wanting acceptance easily fall prey to these false cults. They leave their literature and tracts everywhere and needy people fall prey to their promise of acceptance and belonging to a group. What are the characteristics of weak-minded people who fall prey to false cults? There are three. They are heaped up with sins. That's the meaning of the verb loaded down in verse 6. These people are very sinful, which has led to a condition of passive helplessness. When the conscience is weighed down with the burden of sins, it is easy to fall for a smooth talker who promises new spiritual life, forgiveness of sins, and warm fellowship in a, quote, Christian, unquote, church. The window dressing sounds true because it uses the phrases Christ, church, and Christian. But underneath these words are the lies and deceptions of Satan as he seeks to mislead and draw people away from the truth into error. The result is that people are passive and helpless, exactly the condition that manipulators desire for their captives. They are swayed by various impulses and desires. The term impulses and desires not only refers to fleshly lusts, but in this instance, a lust for new doctrines, for new approaches, a following after innovation and change, and the desire to be relevant. Ever learning, but never able to come to the truth. When someone has a foolish head and a filthy heart, they are always learning, but unable to come to a settled confidence in the truth. Seductive teachers can fool them. They want to follow the latest charismatic preacher and to admire his wonderful sermons. Always looking forward to drinking in some new truth that promises change or a new way of life or transformation. People like this fall prey to slogans like Build Back Better because they are too ignorant of history to realize that smuggled into this phrase is a despising of history and a willful desire to tear down nations and replace them with socialism and communism. The only place of truth and safety is in the new creation of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new and continue to become new each day as we walk in union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is incomparable. He is irreplaceable. He is unique and universal. He is the supreme criterion of all truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is justice. He is wisdom. He is light and life. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the ending. We must continually turn away from a man-centered focus to seek after, to adore, and to worship our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And that means turning away from a focus on ever learning, but never coming to a settled confidence in the truth. The living Word of God is relevant. It is life-changing. It is revolutionary in its message and application. Now, verse 8 says, Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. Who were Janus and Jambres? When Moses told Pharaoh, Let my people go, in Exodus 5, verse 1, proving his commission from God by the miracles he performed, Pharaoh's magicians performed counterfeit miracles by the power of Satan. Janus and Jambres were two ring leaders among the magicians. Their names actually mean one who seduces and one who makes rebellious. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so do these ungodly leaders oppose the truth of the gospel as preached by Paul and Timothy. According to Jewish tradition, Janus and Jambres became converts to Judaism. They faked conversion to the Jewish religion in order to join the Israelites in their exodus out of Egypt. Therefore, these two men are pretenders, a type of false teacher because they pretend to be genuine converts to the Christian faith, but actually are deceiving people. Paul calls them depraved and rejected as regards to the faith. Their minds are defiled because they have turned away from the truth. Now we have a current illustration of this problem in what is called the modern emerging church movement. This movement began about 1995 and continues to the present, where some church leaders have bought into the postmodern deconstructionist mindset, which says, we don't really know what the Bible says or means. We can't be certain. We must deconstruct worship and the Bible according to the needs of our culture. Its leaders claim a false kind of spiritual pride, which they call humility. They say, we're too humble to say that we really know what the Bible means. We're too humble to worship in the traditional way that the church has always worshipped from the beginning. What these church leaders are saying is, give people what they want. As people's wants change, as the culture defines things, you change with the currents of culture. But when you do that, you build in planned obsolescence because the culture changes every 10 years and then you must reinvent your church to adapt to the changing culture. It is a misguided accommodation to the currents of modernity. Its leaders have not studied the history of philosophy to discern that postmodernism is fatally flawed in its premise and approach to truth. Therefore, they are leading their people astray. Verse 10 talks about Timothy being an eyewitness of Paul's sufferings for Christ and one in spirit and love for him. Because Timothy knows Paul personally, he is able to judge the sharp contrast between Paul and the false and ungodly people against whom he is warning. In Acts 14.19, we read that Paul was stoned for his preaching the gospel at Lystra during his first missionary journey. Since Lystra was the birthplace of Timothy, scholars say it is very likely that he was in the crowd witnessing that Paul was dragged out of the city and left for dead. Paul mentions nine characteristics of active obedience to the Lord in verses 10 and 11. 
They are all manifestations of the life of Christ through Paul that Timothy was able to observe. These characteristics are teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings. Paul is telling Timothy, I teach the truth of the gospel. I conduct myself in accordance with the commandments of God. I do what I say. My purpose is pure. I am not in this to make money or gain a following. I am doing all I do to help and serve others by introducing them to the truth and goodness of God. My faith remains strong. I am patient and loving in all my behavior, and the result is that I am persecuted and suffer for the sake of the cross of Christ. Then in verse 12, Paul says, And indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul does not say how or to what extent persecution will come, but he simply states the fact that persecution in some form will be the portion of those who live godly lives. From the Sudan to Russia, from Nigeria to North Korea, from Colombia to India, followers of Christianity today are targeted for their faith. They are attacked. They are discriminated against at work and at school. They risk sexual violence, torture, arrest, and much more. In 2019, over 260 million Christians lived in places where they experienced high levels of persecution. 2,983 Christians were killed for their faith. 9,488 churches and other Christian buildings were attacked and many destroyed. 3,711 believers were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. North Korea is ranked the number one most dangerous place in the world for Christians. In North Korea, people are thrown into prison camps just because they profess to know and love Christ. Christians are imprisoned in North Korea and beaten unconscious. Then they are shaken awake only to have the beating start all over again. The treatment of Christian prisoners in the camps is unspeakably inhuman. They are beaten, starved, frozen almost to the point of death, then thawed out and made to suffer the same torture all over again. The sufferings and persecutions of these precious believers are unspeakable, and yet some endure to the end and live to tell their stories to the world. listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. Not long ago, three Christians were killed by an Islamic terrorist while worshiping in a church in France. One was beheaded and the other two stabbed to death. This is outrageous and unacceptable behavior. 
It is the result of leftist socialist policies that allow Islamic terrorists to enter countries and live as citizens while pursuing their terrorist activities. Then in verse 13 we read, But evil men and deceivers will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. When someone lives in the darkness of deception, he becomes more and more deceived. Deception and untruth become a habitual way of life and so they go from bad to worse. This is what we need to understand about the deception of the coronavirus outbreak. This virus was released in a deliberate attempt to overthrow the democracies of the world, including President Donald Trump's re-election. This is not a conspiracy theory, it is factual information. There is an attempt by the ruling elite to achieve a global reset which will destabilize nationalism and bring in totalitarianism. Then in verse 14, we are encouraged to continue in the things we have learned and become continually convinced of them. Why should Timothy continue in what he has learned? Because he learned the truth from his grandmother, his mother, and from Paul himself. We are talking about continuing a godly legacy. The baton of faith is passed down from generation to generation. Now some of you may not have godly grandparents or godly parents because you have come to Christ outside of your family, but you have relatives or friends or brothers and sisters in Christ who are trying to raise and guide you in the ways of the faith. Whoever God brings into your life to shape and teach you, be thankful for that person, for they are part of the tradition of Scripture-shaping experiences in your life. Now against the background of all of this terrible error and deception, Timothy must stand firm on the truth, like a rock resisting the fury of the waves. He must abide in the truth he has learned and been assured of. In contrast to the false and ungodly teachers who always want to advance something new, Timothy is to be satisfied with what he has already received, the body of trusted revelation, the faith once delivered to the saints. Verse 15 says, And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation. The phrase, the sacred writings, is a reference to the Old Testament scriptures. The Old Testament is a treasure house of wisdom and knowledge that leads to personal union and communion with the living God. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Deuteronomy 6.1 says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you that you might do them in the land where you are going, so that you might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that it may be well with you. Biblical education over many centuries was physical, mental, moral, spiritual nurture. It was all-encompassing. True education is the passing down of a whole body of truth about the words and deeds of God that it is expected that an educated person will know. Modern education has sadly fallen off the wagon of objective God-centered truth into the quicksand of subjective man-centered relativism. 
The result is a whole generation of students who are ignorant of history, are grossly limited in their ability to read and write, do not know the great classic literature, have never studied the glorious riches of the Bible, do not understand basic morality, and have not been taught the difference between wisdom and knowledge. The result is that they have no personal relationship with God, their creator. This is a travesty of monumental proportions. But notice that the wisdom that leads to salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ. Merely reading the Old Testament is not enough. You have to combine the reading with faith in Christ Jesus. Faith is trusting in the reliability and truthfulness of the Old Testament prophecies concerning the coming Messiah, Savior, Jesus. Did you know that there are over 60 predictive prophecies concerning the coming Messiah in the Old Testament that Jesus explicitly fulfilled in the New Testament? The statistical probability that one man could fulfill 60 separate prophecies is 1 in 10 to the 17th power, which is 100 quadrillion. Now, to help us understand this enormous number, if we took 100 quadrillion silver dollars and laid them on the face of the state of Texas, they would cover all the state two feet deep. Now, put a black mark on one of the silver dollars, stir it into all these other silver dollars covering the face of Texas, then blindfold a man and tell him to go find the one silver dollar with the black mark. The chance he has to find the right silver dollar with the black mark is the same chance the Old Testament prophets would have had to write only eight of the 60 prophecies concerning the Messiah and have them come true in one man, Jesus of Nazareth. The fact that over 60 prophecies were exactly fulfilled in the Messiah is miraculous and breathtaking. It is absolutely supernatural. So Paul continues in verse 16, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. This word, inspired by God, is an important theological doctrine. God breathed means that God gave his words through men and superintended the writing process so that their writings are without error. This is not the same as the theory of mechanical dictation. False New Age guru Neil Walsh, who wrote the book Conversations with God, says that God dictated to him the conversations written in his book. If you believe that, you are a deeply deluded individual. What Mr. Walsh received on his yellow legal pads were the whisperings of a demon telling him what to write. What God breathed means is that Holy Scripture owes its origin and contents to the divine breath of the Holy Spirit. The human authors were guided and directed by the Holy Spirit to write down what he wanted communicated to mankind. 2 Peter 1.21 says, No prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. The import of what Paul is telling Timothy is not that the scriptures are inspired by God. Timothy already knew this from his excellent Jewish upbringing and training in the scriptures from his grandmother and mother. What Paul wants Timothy to see is that the scriptures are profitable because they are inspired by God. Profitable for what? 
for teaching, reproof, correction, and training. The scriptures teach us God's truths. They disclose his words and deeds. They give us understanding that we may know him and love him. The Old and New Testaments give us a comprehensive and complete body of divine truth necessary for life and godliness. The scriptures also reprove. They expose wrong behavior or wrong belief, which can then be dealt with by confession and repentance and the renewing of our minds. The scriptures also correct us when we get into error and false ideas or teachings that will lead us astray. The word for correct is setting one right and is used of restoring something to its proper condition. Our minds get contaminated by the world, by false teachers, by false church leaders, and we need to get our minds straightened out and back on the path of righteousness again. Then the fourth characteristic of Holy Scripture is that it trains us in righteousness. What is the hallmark of military armed forces in countries around the world? Training. The military spends almost all its time in training evolutions. Why? Because when the crisis comes, troops must be prepared for battle. What does training in righteousness look like? Training means preparation, and preparation for battle means learning how to walk with God in everyday life in the path of goodness and truth. So when the devil strikes, we have resources to fight back. What is the result of teaching, reproving, correcting, and training in righteousness? Verse 17 says that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. The result of the wonder and power and splendor of the Word of God is that it makes us competent and it equips us for the good work God has called us to do. God wants you to be equipped for every good work and he has provided the means to do so through his powerful, supernatural, holy word. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. 
Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint.